Dear Tyler, good morning. How are you doing? Um, I hope you're good. I hope you're fine. I hope your day has been going really, really well. Um, sorry that today's um, podcast is coming later than usual. Um, I think I just needed a little bit of time to be able to really articulate myself and to be able to, you know, get my thoughts together um, because of the topic that I want to share on today. Um, But anyway, first and foremost, thank you for all your listens. Thank you for your shares. It, It means a whole lot to me. It means a whole lot to me. Thank you. And I don't think I would ever get to the point where I would be I'd be okay with saying thank you, right? Um, it means a lot. It means a lot. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for believing that what I have to share is valuable. And thank you for holding true to the words that I share. Thank you for treasuring them. It means a whole lot to me. Um, you know, whenever I get your feedback, it... It... um. It encourages me, it motivates me a lot. It motivates me a lot. One of the people that I do cherish usually says that um, your presence during every meeting is an encouragement to him. Um, you know, sometimes we try to to put the whole cloak of humility like, ah, no, it's not about the numbers or it's not about uh, the people you get, even if it's just one, which is true. But um, if something is qualitative, then a lot of people should be running towards it, right? And so whenever I get to see the numbers or when I get to read the reviews, you know, when people share the reviews or maybe when I'm just walking on the street and then people are like, hey, dear Tyler, and I'm like, oh my goodness, um, it's really making a lot of impact. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. So, um, this is me saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, today's topic is is a deep one. I don't know if it's, if I'd be able to share, um, all that I want to. I may make it into, like, a part part series i don't know it depends but let's see how it goes for today uh and i think it's a topic that a lot of people struggle with um yeah today we're talking about depression my battle with depression and when silence kills um how do i even start well for me I think majority of my life um, has been a struggle, you get, with this enemy called depression. It's been a struggle for me. Um, I think my first moments of depression started when I was 10. It started when I was 10. Um, I won't tell you my age, but it's, it's a major struggle, or it was a major struggle. 
my God has been really, really faithful. He has really helped me. I won't say that I'm absolutely over it. You get where there are times where I do sink in, you get, but God has really, really helped me. So the earliest parts of my life that I do remember where depression really set in was um, around the age of 10. There are personal family stories that I, I may not be able to share at the moment, but um, we were in the middle of a family crisis and it, it really shook me as a person. So I had just entered, um, I just entered secondary school then, high school, for those of us in the Western nations, right? I'd entered secondary school slash high school and um, there was a family challenge that really rocked me. Um, and so naturally growing up for me, I had always had this major attachment to family, major attachment to family. Like I did almost everything with family. Um, my, my parents, extremely supportive people. You know, growing up, they were, like, always around for stuff. Um, you know, just trying to participate as much as they could, right? Um, for me and my siblings, they really did a lot, you know. Um, like, Momsi used to do hangouts with other mothers, you know, like, when they take the kids out. Um, then we were in Holland, and so... Um, Mumsy really used to do that. Popsy, you know, used to take us out for like family, um, family stuff. You know, it was really, really good. But when we got back, we just had a little challenge at home, and it rocked me um, because that would be the first time that I would know what it or experience what it means to actually be alone. So I went to boarding house and also. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. I really didn't know what to expect. So I was in school thinking about, okay, uh, how is my family doing? And then trying to really live up to the new, or catch up with the new lifestyle. Um, I didn't know what it, because my, my folks had always done stuff for me. I really didn't understand the, the purpose of fighting for yourself. So, um, I remember secondary school back then. I, um, when we got in, new students were asked to go to the carpenter shop or the carpenter's um, workshop, rather, and pick desks for ourselves. So I picked a desk, and um, I think somehow within that period it got switched and all, and um, I couldn't find a desk again. And then I remember I started crying, you know, like, the person was like, no, this is my desk. I was like, I brought it. And because the distance was pretty far, so I had to go the next day or on Monday, I had to go and get a desk again. Um, I was really smallish. Uh, and because, like, I'd really done almost everything with parents, I really didn't know how to relate with a lot of people. Um, so it was it was kind of tough, you know, the first few days having big seniors, um, 
having to wake up, you know, all of those normal, normal things that you have to adjust to, then my, you know, the whole boarding school stuff, people started stealing my things, um, seniors started bullying, classmates started bullying me, I really didn't know what to do, um, physically I'm not the very strong type, you know, like fights and all, um, I remember the last fight that I had, I was bruised. I was bruised by another Nigerian. I was even in Holland. Um, Baba, Baba bruised my mouth and all, and I was punished for it. So imagine, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, that irony. You were beaten, but you're the one that was punished. It was just horrible. So I remember I got bullied by my classmates. Um... Because I really didn't know how to, you know, stand up for myself. I really didn't know how to stand up for myself. And, um, you know, back then, people loved... Um, I think one of my, my classmates actually put it... One of my classmates actually put it the best. He said, my, my, the set of guys in my class were alpha males. So they're like domineering guys. And I'm like the laid back guy. I really don't like trouble because I can't handle it. Um, but then, so I got bullied a lot by classmates. It got to a point that even juniors, like, used to have their pound of flesh from me. You get, like, they used to tear me up. Um, I remember there was a time in school where my, my class, my, my, my classmate were just in and then they literally called, like, a junior student to come and like stroke me, insult me, and all like that. Um, I remember I just left the the room because they were even laughing. Left the room. So when the guy now came back, I told him and I was like, "So you actually stroked me, this kind?" And the guy was just, I just left him. Do you understand? I think it was in my SS1. I had an altercation with one of my classmates. And he said, do you know, I'm the only person in the class that even tries to relate with you. You get like people in the class don't like you being there. And he came and did this. And I was like, wow. So, but yeah, anyhow. So I, I grew up within that. Um, I grew up within that setting, um, really looking for love and acceptance. Now, this is where I think one of the issues of depression comes in. Um, A lot of people that are depressed are people who are either searching for love, right? And usually um, searching for love, searching for acceptance, right? And because of that, it makes them into sacrificial lambs. So they do everything in their power to hear a thank you. They do everything in their power to hear, oh, I appreciate you. Oh, I, I value you. So they go out of their way to make certain sacrifices. Right? Um, will cost them so much, but it's in an attempt to gain the affection of people. So because of the family issue that I had, I, I really lost the affection of family. And 
um so i started going out of my way to do certain things you know trying to be a bad boy trying to you know just conform to certain ways and with all the sacrifices you understand like um one of the things i used to do back then was okay because like um I, I try my best okay let me look out for you know my guys my friends that i had back then and um like when it's time for dinner or lunch some of them is to come late i would make sure that once their food is served i keep it for them you know uh, make sure nobody touches it i literally wait for them to come and then they eat yeah and there may be there times where i come late and i come to the table and i'm like okay so I rest my food and everybody's just like um we thought it was here so somebody literally carries my food and eats and so maybe i'll not get dinner for that night i may not get lunch and i'll just you know stand and walk and you know so make all of those little sacrifices do stuff and it wasn't reciprocated um i because of certain statements that were made um to me i remember one of the podcasts that i shared when a guy told me that i was not fine um the not so fine binga and then also i think there was a time mom she said it she said it jokingly though she said i've been here and i've been fine look at who you're looking at all and um i think they used to make kind of like statements back in class then where they would be like Who are the fine people to always attach me to like are you the I don't know the least fine person or the least finest or the unfinest person I don't know and um, terminology but I was just like that ugly duckling and because it got to a point where I really couldn't you know had i had been so isolated by my friends and then personally i isolated myself because i felt my isolation was my safety because no matter how much i poured into people they never poured back never poured back never poured back never poured back i've had friends that ganged up together to steal my stuff um Pops is a very very focused man so he's always on the whole academic thing and for me it was um yeah my dad really did his best you know to make sure that I got enough test books to be able to you know just read and have a better understanding and there were times where one of my um classmates would literally come to my locker steal the test books hide them and use them till after exam then they would drop it back and i'm like why are you doing it you don't even care to ask you know um i 
like I wasn't involved in a lot of things when they wanted to I remember there was a time that um, they wanted to do like a dance stuff and you know I was like okay uh, let me come and join you guys and they're like no that they they're looking for really good people I was like I'm willing to learn and everything they're like nah 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 and so they just you know pushed me aside and then they created their clique so I really felt like um, people didn't want me people really didn't want me and I think that's what um, made me very very uh, weary of the crowd because I found safety in my personal space if I could say that I found safety in my personal space Um, I was a very poor academic student extremely poor Um, it didn't start that way Um, I had a very good beginning really did well primary school started well in secondary school but then along the line um, because of my poor academic um, record over time I grew up feeling like I wasn't smart I'm not intelligent there are intelligent people in the class these are the ones that are the smart ones Um, you know sometimes the comments that are written though honest you understand um, just make you feel like you're not really up for it I remember I had many altercations with with my dad you know because he really spent a lot of money on me um, in school and I didn't reciprocate it you understand and so there were certain things that he did say that made me feel incapable of ever doing good Um, and I know that he never meant it or rather, I've grown to know that he never meant it. But at that time, I really, really felt that this was my dad's perception of me. And so I lost the will, the passion, and the desire to even try to do anything good. I had written a lot of songs before, and I had shared it with my friends. And they're like, hey, it's okay, but I don't really like it. Um, so I really, really felt worthless. So it got to the point where... Um, I didn't care about like my dressing again because who cares nobody's looking at me now um, there's this statement that I used to make back in Zaya way way back then he said ah this dancer is fair to look upon or this guy is you know fair to look upon or something I wasn't fair to look upon um, I had had um, so I, like I didn't care about my dress I could just wear anything wear squeezed clothes and iron big shirts whatever um, I never ever pushed myself towards trying new things um, because I had this perception that I was even going to fail at it um, and you know naturally when you're growing and you're trying things you fail I felt like failure was part of me, not just the process that you go through because you are learning, right? That you could feel because you are learning, you didn't get the principles correct. I didn't know that. I just thought that failure was part of me. So I, I really didn't want to get involved in people's lives because I felt like I would be the factor that causes them to fail. Um, but I needed love. I needed love badly. I attempted... Um, I I think I attempted suicide on one occasion or so. Um, But the whole suicidal thoughts, the whole suicidal thoughts, um, they came to me. 
the whole suicidal thoughts um, came to me. There were times where I really, um, you know, like thought about it, like I could just hold a knife, and I really just want to pierce myself or something like that. Um, so I really thought, you know, that I was a failure, and everything that I would do would would cause. Um, things to feel so because i was desperate for love desperate for affection desperate for acceptance i just wanted to feel like i was valued like i meant something to someone or to some people at that time um i started going out of my way to do a whole lot of um unnecessary or make a whole lot of unnecessary sacrifices um I think at a point in time, I actually even gave out my school fees to help other people pay school fees. So I helped them pay school fees that I didn't have. And um, they graduated and I didn't. Do you understand? But all I was looking for was that thank you. And because you get it only once because of that act, um, you do all your possible best to start doing other things to gain that acceptance and naturally because people are intrinsic they think about themselves most of the time they go about their own lives forgetting certain things that you did not like they deliberately forget it or so but then you know they're focused about it. they're focused on living and um because of that that i didn't get you know what i was looking for it kept me from um, reaching out to people. So, you know, you have this kind of like oscillatory um, experience, right? So there'll be days that you want to reach out to people so they could get the acceptance, but then you're not pulling out because you're not getting it from them, that whole back and forth, that whole back and forth. Um, and I think growing up, I... I or as I've grown rather, I've come to understand that people have different makeups, right? So um, how people are wired is different. And usually how they're brought up has an effect on how they live life. So um, I, I believe that my environment, my upbringing had an effect on me. Um, then again, betrayal. Oh. I've understood betrayal to a large extent. So when you just feel like I've given so much to you, or I've given so much to these people and this how they repay me, you get you just push, you know, you just push back. Now, what happens in depression? Um Oh, I think why people really enter depression is that they really don't have an understanding of what true happiness is. And in their search for happiness, they try a whole lot of things. They try a whole lot of things to be able to find out, okay, what truly makes people happy? Where can I really, really find happiness? Um, and so because I was a stranger to this term called happiness, um, even when it came my way, I avoided it because I felt it was going to be short-lived. I, I, I recall periods in my life where because I had written a lot of songs, a lot of songs, 
I think I've shared it before. I've been writing songs for 20 years plus. 20 plus years. And I have reached out to a whole lot of people. Um, okay, these are my songs. Would you love to sing them? Or Because I pride myself in being a songwriter rather than a performer, a singer, right? Um, I've even reached out to friends, written for them, taking nights out to write for them, and then they either don't use it or they just shove it back. The times are up, you know, call them, and, okay, let's write together, let's do something, and then the whole enthusiasm, I'm trying. And then you could even see within their eyes the disappointment of this is not a sweet song or something like that. Uh, and then so I just said, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to write again. I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to do it. And even when people tell, uh, used to tell me back then, ah, Pinga, your songs are amazing. Your songs are beautiful. I just felt it was just that, you know, that face level appreciation. You get, like how we do a lot of times in the church, we'll be like, ah, I celebrate you, man of God. I celebrate grace. Oh, I honor unction. All of those kind of funny things that we do. I really felt that that was it at that time. Um, so I never really wanted to do again even if i picked up the guitar to play and write a song i'll just be like ah whatever i'm gonna write it's not going to be interesting it's not going to be fun it's not going to be sweet do you know all of those things right so i did that um i went through school you know just like being just pass just pass um i'm going to make this a two-part series or maybe even more i'm going to talk about Next, next week, I'll talk about my academic issues and all. Because that really, really affected me. And I'll be very, very vulnerable in that message. Or in that podcast, rather. Yeah, but because of my academic sitting, I just, you know, I just pass and go to get... It wasn't... There wasn't that zeal. There wasn't that zeal. I think my healing started when God told me that nobody is ever going to be responsible for your happiness binga nobody um joy and happiness is not something that you necessarily receive from others no there are things that are internal there are things that are birthed internally that you naturally live a joyful and a happy life because you value yourself you see yourself in a certain light you see yourself in a certain way the reason why you entered depression binga is not because people necessarily told you that you were not good enough it's because binga you believed that you were not good enough you accepted it and then you made it your paradigm you made it your thought that was your um that was the idea of you. Binga, that was the idea of you. You made yourself um, the person that your joy and happiness comes from sacrifices that you make. No, I didn't create you that way. That your joy and happiness comes from the sacrifices that you make. No. Um, these sacrifices that we make or that you make binga, should come from a point of that happiness and that joy. You're not doing it to receive. Now, 
you're doing it because you have joy and happiness in you. You get. Um, I think scripture says, I'm paraphrasing, you say, give joyfully. There is from that standpoint of joy and happiness, right? So you do it from that standpoint that you look at yourself, Binga, and you're like, you are worth so much. You are worth so much. You are worth so much. You are a treasure. You're just discovering yourself and you're trying to understand yourself, right? Um, but you are worth so much. God had to literally put me through a therapy of reminding me of who he created me to be. And he keeps on telling me, Binga, Binga, remember, nobody's responsible for your happiness. The things that you do will not make you happy. They will not make you happy. You have to develop a joy and a happiness that comes from deep within. Your happiness should be based on who God has called you to be and your acceptance of that truth. Once you have this um, settled in you, there is no occurrence that would shift you. People have their opinion about you. Right? Scripture says, whose report would we would you believe? Whose report are you believing? Whose report are you believing? Whose report are you believing? Another thing that really helped me is to understand was when I got to understand the the frailty of men. I don't think naturally people work towards hurting you. Just generally, right? I don't think people do that. A lot of times people out, you know, just out of being human, do things that hurt us, say things that hurt us, say things that affect us in some way, but just by because, you know, they're human and all. But um, I don't think that they, they, they woke up in the morning saying that I'm going to hurt this person. I know some people, you know, we always have those exceptions and all. But when I got to understand the filthy of humans, I had to redefine who I was living for. So scripture in Hebrews, I think 13 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the only consistent person, the only consistent being, the only consistent entity in this life that you can trust his mind for you, his heart for you, his desire for you is consistent. There's not going to be a point in time where God becomes self-centered and is thinking about just himself. Now, that point would never come that you you are not his priority. Now, it would never come. It has never happened. It would never happen. And so that is the person I am living to please. And so it is from... My, my satisfaction in life comes from pleasing his heart. And so now when I do things for people, it's not just the, oh, wow, oh, thank you, Binga, that you've done this for me. No, it's because that same thing that I have done pleases the heart of the one that is never failing, right? That his heart never wavers. So my joy comes from the fact that he is 
pleased in me. Right, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the B part says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength comes from um, what pleases God. My joy comes from what pleases God. You see, um, I think depression basically comes when we begin to see life from a different view. When we start looking at life um, through a lens that is not God's lens, right? When we stop looking at God's lens of life, God's uh, pronouncements, God's dealings with us, that's where depression really comes in. That's where depression really comes in. Now, another thing that I have learned is to learn to talk. You see, silence kills. You could be going through a lot of challenges, a lot of things. I think that the challenge is really just finding somebody worth being vulnerable to. You see, people that are even in depression hardly pray. So it's not just about finding the person that could be vulnerable to. There's somebody there, right? Our Heavenly Father. Right? The Holy Spirit is right there with us. To be able to, you know, we could talk to him. But naturally, depression keeps our mouth shut. Either we don't want to give the expression of weakness. Do you understand? We want to prove to people that, oh, we are strong. We're capable of ourselves or something like that. No. We have to be able to speak up and talk and be like, "Um, I'm going through stuff. I don't like it when things like this happen. These are the challenges that I am facing. This is what I'm going through. 90% of the problems that I've ever faced in my life is because I stay quiet. I didn't utter a word. I didn't ask for help. And because I put myself in trouble, right, it got to a point where it, it felt like I was destined for calamity. Like life just had to happen in a way that everything would go wrong and everything would go bad. That was not how God designed it to be. Matthew chapter 11, I think 28, 29 says, Come unto me, all you, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can take my cup upon me and learn of me, for I am um, meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for my soul. You can, is anyone weak among you? Let him pray. You know, let him speak to the elders. Do you understand? They're, they're, um, Call unto me, Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call unto me and I'll answer you and show you greater marvelous things that you know not about. They are, God is consistently calling us to talk to him, consistently calling us to talk to him. If, if, if we have a fear of who to be vulnerable with, right, at least let's be able to talk to God. And then he in his wisdom, he in his ultimate wisdom, right, and his all-knowing um, self, would direct us to who we can talk to. There were a lot of things that I didn't come out of until I spoke up. I was going through a very deep financial issue that was bringing a whole lot of depression, a whole lot of stress. I was wallowing in debts like crazy. Like crazy. I was owing so many people and I had to pay back. And it was until, you know, I wanted to be the macho man to fix up everything you get. Um, I wanted to prove to myself that I'm good enough. You know, um, I can also do it. And until I opened up to someone and, you know, reached out and said, okay, I'm in trouble and I need this. 
And then the person, you know, just instantly helped. But I was wallowing in serious depression. Um, it was horrible. That's what silence does. Silence never gives you an answer. It only leaves you in that state of depression. When you speak, you would know from which position you are. Um, you know which position you are at. You'd know what solutions are available. You'd know where to go. It gives you a sense of direction. It gives you a sense of hope. I started getting healed from depression when I started valuing God more. My time with God, my minutes with God, valuing His Word more. I know some of us that may listen to this may not be Christians, may not even believe in God, but this is it for me. Every time I have delved into the Word of God, it has brought so much light, so much light to me. And every time that I have spent in the gathering of believers that truly love, right, it has helped me, it has built me, it has strengthened me. There is hope in God. 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 Like, I remember going through scripture and David was uh, in the Bible was in a depressing moment and every single person around him was um, was incapable of giving him strength do you understand and the scripture says and David encouraged himself in the Lord he reminded himself of this God that he serves he reminded of him he reminded himself of what this God has done for him, what this God had called him to be, what this God had called him to do, the victories that they had won, the, the, the times where he felt distressed and he called upon the name of the Lord and he answered him. He remembered it sometimes, Tyler, you have to be the one that would pick up yourself and strengthen yourself. Nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to do it for you at some point in time. You will have to be the one to tell yourself that I am good enough. People may not recognize it, but I will not fall victim of their lack of discernment. I am good enough. I am good enough. I am good enough. I may not be the best at what I am doing, but I am growing. Everything takes time. Everything takes time. And I am willing to put myself to the whole um process but i am good enough i am loved people may not appreciate me but god appreciates me i appreciate myself there may be a million and one people that love me that i do not know and i'm not going to live a depressed life because of the people that cannot acknowledge it you see sometimes we search for love from certain people don't do that don't do that don't do that love because love is good Love because love is good. Help because help is good. It's the right thing to do. Sacrifice because you love the people, not because you're looking for anything in return. And be absolutely comfortable to tell people that you can't do it. It's not in your power to do it. I am incapable of doing it. And you tell them with so much love and truth. 
it's okay not to be able to do everything tyler it's okay not to be able to do everything you don't have to push yourself you don't have to inconvenience yourself to make others happy no what you're not capable of doing you can hold the hand of the individual and say let's pray let's pray But you have to be the one that determines what you think about yourself, Tyler. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. You are blessed. You are gifted. You are favored. You are accepted. You are recognized. You are treasured. You are valued. Wake up in the morning and tell yourself, I am good. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. God loves me. I love myself. And in turn, that helps you to love people. Do not allow silence. Do not allow silence get the best of you, Tyler. Do not allow silence get the best of you. Do not allow silence get the best of you. Pick up yourself, Tyler. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Find the promises in the scripture. Find those truths that God has said about you. Remember that childlike heart that you had, that that um, you know, that 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 sweet spirit while growing up of how much God just loved you and cared for you. Revive that same spirit again, Tyler. Revive that same spirit again, Tyler. And encourage yourself. Talk to someone. See a therapist. I had to see a therapist to get my emotional life back in track. I had to see a therapist. Right? And one thing I loved about my therapy session was my therapist consistently told me, you know, it's good that you're talking about these things. It's good that you're opening up. But until you believe personally, right, that you can't, sorry, until you believe personally, right, um, certain truths about you, nobody can help you. Nobody can help you. So you have to pick up strength. It may take some time. You may have all of those back and forth moments, right? Scripture says that the righteous may fall seven times, but he will surely rise again. So you may have those issues where you go back and forth, right? But once you get down, make sure you pick yourself up and continue and continue and continue and continue. So um, I think next week I would share... um, my little Zaria story with you and um, how it affected me um, in, in, in major ways on the testimony of God's victory, right? So I know this is this is the longest, longest um, podcast that I've done, but I believe it would really, really help you, Tyler, right? And remember that I love you, that I cherish you, and that I'm always rooting for you and I believe in you big time, right? Do have an awesome day. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk next week, right? Yeah, and please, if you ever want to share, if you ever want to share with me 
um, you know, on this podcast, you know, you could just send a little voice note or something and uh, maybe I could make a number available. If you just want to talk, you know, let's just share um, together. That would be awesome. You could reach out to me on Facebook. Um, check for Dear Tyler. You could always message me there on Instagram at um, Dear underscore Tyler. You'd see there, Dear Tyler. You get so um, I'm, I'm, I'm there uh, whenever you need me, right? So love you again, Tyler, and take care.